Podcast. Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Tuesday night as I'm recording this following uh, the Denver Nuggets win over the Detroit Pistons. Their second in a row and their second one that was probably too close for comfort, but a win is a win. And as Michael Malone said post-game, uh, you take what you can get. Like It doesn't matter how ugly it is as long as you get the win. That is the most important thing as the Nuggets move to 25 and 21 on the season. They are 12 and 12 away from Pepsi or not Pepsi, uh, Ball Arena. And they start this road trip off right. Wasn't the best game. Like they, they turned the ball over 25 freaking times. There was a lot to criticize, I think, about this one. And there are a lot of curious choices, I think, that probably should have. Like had they had they lost tonight, would have gone under the microscope a little bit harder, but Denver gets the win. Don't have to worry about it. Don't have to really think about things too much. They get the win. Uh starters played well. Bench played. Eh, not 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 a good performance from the bench, but look, uh Davon Reed was the worst plus minus as a minus fourteen tonight. Nikola Jokic was a plus fourteen. Usually Denver's gonna win with those margins. Like the, the bench just can't be horrible. They can be bad like they were tonight against the Detroit Pistons, the one of the worst teams in the NBA. Let me say that again. They can be really bad against the Detroit Pistons, but Nikola Jokic will generally save the day most nights, and I thought that this was just another great example of that. Uh, final score was a margin of 110-105. Uh, the starters were all in the plus. Uh, Monte Morris was the lowest plus at plus five. Uh, all the starters were in double figures. All the starters did something. They were they were helpful, at least to different degrees. And I want to start with Nikola Jokic, of course, because he had 19, 11, and 5 at halftime and was just on absolute fire for most of the most of the first half. I, I, he definitely slowed down in the second half. Uh, was 5 of 9 in the first half, 4 of 11 in the second half. Didn't get to the free throw line again for the rest of the game, but uh, he did his work in the first half. Did enough to help Denver get the win. Wasn't really a big deal down the stretch. Denver had just enough points in order to cross the finish line, not really have to worry about too terribly much. But it was a great performance from Nikola Jokic. He was just absolutely dominant. Isaiah Stewart, his matchup on the other side, finishes with zero points on three shots. Remember in the previous game, Isaiah Stewart went 8 of 8. He was fantastic. And one of the things that I think you could criticize Nikola Jokic for is that sometimes when he goes off, the opposing center, the opposing matchup can sometimes make up some ground against him. That wasn't really the case tonight. I thought that Jokic's defense was pretty good. And he limited Isaiah Stewart's opportunities around the rim to the maximum. I thought he did a pretty decent job of protecting and patrolling the rim around uh, Denver's defense. And I think that there were some shots in the first half specifically that I I wouldn't necessarily, like, I wouldn't trade those shots away if I were Denver. I would just assume that Detroit's going to miss them the next time, and it's going to look a lot different. They definitely cooled off in the second half, and you got to count on that if you're Denver. But it felt like Jokic was in control for the first two and a half quarters of this game. Kind of lost a little bit of it as the the end of the third quarter uh, kind of wound down and then into the fourth quarter, where it felt like he, he continues to struggle to touch the ball. 
And when he does touch the ball, usually good things happen. He, Im- he immediately came into the game after Denver had blown a big lead uh, with him on the bench. Comes into the game, Nuggets are up three with about six minutes left to go, five and a half. And he comes in, comes off of a screen, steps back for three, hits it, immediately takes the margin from three to six. And at that feeling, if you're the Pistons, you're thinking, okay, well, this guy's back into the game now. We don't have a chance. And it felt like a lot of the possessions looked like that. And now Yoke, he wasn't perfect down the stretch. He, he missed a couple shots, uh, turned the ball over to Killian Hayes in the post where it, he clearly got fouled. Um, and it, it looked like he got fouled a lot of times down the stretch of this game where the refs kind of swallowed their whistles a little bit. But he was still fantastic. And it's hard to criticize too much when he plays the way that he does every single time. 28 points, 21 rebounds, 9 assists, 1 steal, 3 turnovers, but that's a 3 to 1 assist to turnover ratio, so you're not really worried. 3 of 8 from 3, his his 3-point shot and his free throw have continued to look a lot better over these last few games. Gotten himself into a rhythm, he's really locking in as a shooter, and that's been the most important develop development for the Nuggets over the course of these past few weeks is that Jokic has his shot back. He was 9 of 20 tonight, and that that involves 5 of 12 inside the arc, which is abnormally low for him. But the 3 of 8 and the 7 of 7 from the line, that makes up for it in spades. Uh, He was great. Can't really criticize that at all. Uh, Next leading scorer was Jeff Green. 20 points for Jeff Green tonight, 8 of 11 for, or 8 of 12 from the field, 1 of 2 from 3, 3 of 4 from the line. Uh, welcome back, Jeff Green. Really nice to see you. He got the defensive player of the game chained tonight and clearly was very happy about it from the, the videos that Nugget Social put out. Uh, he is a very interesting player in that I think Jokic plays better when Jeff Green is on the court. I think that Jokic knows how to play with Jeff Green really well. And Aaron Gordon is like this as well, uh, where having both of those guys, you have Jeff Green going 8 of 12 for 20 and Aaron Gordon going 6 of 11 for 16. That's 36 points on 23 shots right there. And it makes it really, really easy for the starters if they've got these size mismatches that they continue to go to with Jokic really dishing it out. Uh, It was great. It was great to see Denver's front court kind of back in... Um, back in form tonight. I like it when Denver plays bigger, especially with the starting unit. You want to impose your size. Denver had 16 offensive rebounds tonight. Nine of them came from the starting unit. Uh, The bench did really well with the offensive rebounding as well, and I'll talk about that in a second. But the offensive rebounding is so much of a staple for the Nuggets that it's, it's hard to think of them without... Jokic at the front of the rim without Jokic pulling the center away from the rim and then the forwards cutting in for layups and offensive rebounds, things like that. Like that's Denver's identity more than anything in the world. So I'm I'm pretty interested to see whether they can continue to get back to that as Monte Morris kind of goes through a slump here. Austin Rivers is starting in place of Will Barton. I wonder whether that changes uh, if it was just a maintenance day for Will or if it was something larger. Uh, Denver needs to be 
in a position where their foundation, where their identity is Jokic, Aaron Gordon, Jeff Green. I really do think then that you can match up with anybody using those three. I really do think so. That's that's as versatile and as potent and as strong and as switchable as Denver's offense can possibly get. And then you hope that Jeff Green has nights like he did tonight, where he plays really good defense and switches on to Cade Cunningham uh, pretty well, uh, especially down the stretch, uh, where you hope that he can continue to hustle up and, and make some good plays. Where Aaron Gordon, like he did tonight, he had five assists tonight, five rebounds, 16 points, was a plus 13. Aaron Gordon kind of got caught with uh, some offensive foul issues where he was, I thought, legally backing into the paint and smaller defenders on Detroit were flopping a little bit. But he's got to keep that under control. But it's one of the things about being big. It's one of the things about using your size. You have to use it as a fit effectively and efficiently as you can to get under the rim. And so Gordon didn't necessarily finish at the highest rate that he could have. Um, Some of the shots that he took tonight, just looking at the shot chart, he took uh, four shots outside of the restricted area. Went one of four on those. This is one of those where takes advantage of his size, looks really good, and Denver's offense looks really good as a result. Um, that's where you want to see him live in situations where he's got this mismatch. Um, it's hard to live there all the time because you want to give Jokic the space too, but Jokic is absolutely going to let Aaron Gordon try to get into the paint and use his size as well. So I'm glad that Denver has two guys like that in Gordon and Green. Porter should be on the way at some point too. See if Zeke Naji can get into that as well. Uh, but it certainly feels like that's Denver's identity right now, where they've got Jokic, but the big athletic wings and forwards and players like that, those guys are going to feast because Jokic draws so much attention and draws so much rim pressure away from the rim. Um, like I mentioned before, Monte Morris, not a good night tonight. His, I, I don't know if you want to call it a shooting slump. I guess you can. Uh, Two really horrible games against the Detroit Pistons, which uh, that probably helped shrink the margin a little bit for this one and for the last one, too. Like if he plays better against or in each of those games, the margin's looking like a double-digit victory as opposed to a five-point or six-point win. But you still got a five-point or six-point win, and I'll take a bad Monte Morris game in wins versus a... Uh, bad bench performance over and over again where sometimes Denver can survive it and sometimes Denver cannot. Um, So it is what it is. Monte, obviously, a lot of family in the Michigan area, was born in Flint, Michigan, uh, went to school around here, went to school at Iowa State. So it's very centralized uh, family and, and environment for Monte Morris. So you got to give him a pass against Detroit. Like, usually he plays well in these situations. Tonight he did not. Uh, Hopefully he gets better and gets back against the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, I think that he should be better. If he's not, then it's a a bad thing. But he should be better against Brooklyn. But we will see. Um, And finally, Austin Rivers. Austin Rivers only took four shots tonight, but I can remember all of them. Um... 
10 points. 10 points on four shots. The two threes that he attempted tonight were hilariously bad in that he catches the ball where it's reasonably wide open. Record scratches a little bit where he gives the jab step a couple times, rises up into a contested three, and swishes both of them. Uh, It was awesome. And he was due some good positive luck, I think, where he hadn't had a lot of things go right. Uh, This season has been really tough on him. He got the podium game last game against Detroit, gets 10 points on four shots tonight, played some decent defense against Cade. I thought that down the stretch, especially when Cade started to tire, when they put Austin Rivers on him instead of Aaron Gordon, it caused Cade to want to use his size and use his physicality against Austin Rivers a little bit, but Austin was battling. He was doing a lot of good things in the post, and Cade missed some bunnies down the stretch where Austin Rivers was playing good, hard defense, and that's what you got to do. You got to wear a guy down over the course of a long game, and sure, Cade was giving him buckets earlier, just like he was giving them to Aaron Gordon, Jeff Green, Nicole Jokic, pretty much everybody, uh, but it was very interesting that, Aaron, that rather than Aaron Gordon on that assignment, they put Austin Rivers on Cade Cunningham, and Austin Rivers delivered, I thought. It was pretty cool. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to get back to the bench unit, of course. But first, as you know, this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. Four teams are remaining in the championship conference, or in the conference championships, excuse me. Uh, You've got the Kansas City Chiefs. You've got the Cincinnati Bengals. You've got the, oh gosh, who is, you've got the 49ers and you've got the Rams. Uh, like you've got two great quarterbacks on one side and then uh, and you've got some not great quarterbacks on the other side. And I know if I were you, I, I would be just loading up bets on the best quarterback of, of that, um, of that quartet, which is Patrick Mahomes and Nuggets fans, Broncos fans, probably not going to want to hear that. But if you're counting down to Super Bowl 56, you're going to want to get those 56 to 1 odds on any team. And I would put them on the Kansas City Chiefs personally, where you bet just $5, get 280 in free bets. If your team wins, you don't have to bet on Kansas City. You could bet on Cincinnati. And if they win, you also get 280 in free bets. It's that simple. If you're not a new customer, you can still experience the conference championships with same game parlays where you combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. One thing you could do, bet Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase to put up big yardage because those guys are also very fun. Add those two legs together, you get more money when you win. It is that simple. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So make sure to download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code MHS when you do. Get those 56 to 1 odds when you bet just $5. Win 280 in free bets. That's promo code MHS. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Thank <laughs> you. 
All right, we're back. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackman here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, if you could, it would be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as we uh, continue to grow the program, really doing some good things, uh, wanting to deliver you the best content that I possibly can. So if you could rate, review, and subscribe, that would be awesome. Thank you so much. Okay, let's talk about the bench. Let's talk about this team. I was very curious to see what the Nuggets would be doing heading into this game. Obviously, some of those decisions were made for Michael Malone because Will Barton sat, Jamichael Green still reconditioning, not necessarily ready to play. Uh, So Austin Rivers goes into the starting lineup as opposed to trying to figure out where to put him on the bench. And Jamichael Green still sitting. And you've got uh, Zeke Naji and DeMarcus Cousins, who are the 4-5 duo off the bench. And I think both of them, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that really impacts Denver. I think one of those guys played really well and the other one did not. Uh, but in the backcourt is really interesting as well. Tonight, Michael Malone initially brought in Faku Kambazo, Bryn Forbes, and Davon Reed. He brought in Davon for two minutes to end the first quarter. And then to start the second quarter, Bones Highland came in and he came in Played about six minutes between the bench, traipsed a little bit in with the starting minutes, and then he never played in the second half. Uh, He got caught with a couple turnovers in this game where he was standing, not not like he was right in the corner. Uh, Boogie threw a pass right to him right in the corner, and he was having a difficult time handling it. And if the ball went out of bounds, happened to him again. Uh, right in front of the Nuggets bench for a second time. And you could see the frustration on him. I don't think that other than that, I think he played a pretty good game. I thought that Bones was pretty good. I thought what he did in his six minutes really helped Denver. Scores four points, uh, grabs two rebounds, grabs an assist, did have the two turnovers, but was a plus seven with a lot of good things happening around him. Actually, not a lot. Uh, There were good things happening around him, or at least enough, that the entire bench unit played pretty well in the first half, or at least in the second quarter while Bones was out there. They had a really bad stretch at the end of the first. And then when Bones wasn't out there again, in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, the bench kind of gave away the lead. There was not a lot to like about what they did. And... Uh, Zeke Naji finishes a minus three. Cousins finishes a minus seven, which is ultimately representing bench minutes. Compazzo goes minus seven. Davon Reed goes minus 14. Uh, Bryn Forbes goes a net neutral. So a lot of what Forbes, or not, not Forbes, a lot of what Bones did in the second quarter, I'm not sure if it translates perfectly one-to-one to if he's out there, then Denver is still doing well. But I think it's interesting that Malone couldn't necessarily decide between Bones Highland and Davon Reed. Naturally, if you're going to play Faku and Bryn Forbes, if you're going to play both of those guys, if they're penciled into the lineup, then Davon Reed makes the most sense positionally, where you've got a bigger wing, somebody who can guard a little bit, somebody who makes a little bit more sense uh, switching things up a little bit. Because then he can kind of bridge the the positional gap, the height gap between the start or the the guards, which at 
Faku Composito is like 5'9". Bryn Forbes is like 6 foot. Davon Reed's about 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. And if you play Bones Highland instead, who's more 6'2", six, 6'3", six, then he's he's also really skinny too. Like if you get guys that are switched onto bigs, it becomes a lot more difficult to play. The problem, and why I'm a little bit confused why Bones got benched in the second half, was because Killian Hayes, Frank Jackson, and Rodney, Rodney Magruder are the bench guards for Detroit. Those guys were the ones that were playing, and they were the ones that were positives. I don't think that Denver did anything like Bones versus Davon Reed in that situation is negligible, in my opinion, defensively. Because there's nobody for Davon Reed to guard. Is he going to guard Frank Jackson? Going to guard Killian Hayes? Like, who cares? Those guys are probably not going to shoot that well anyway. So you might as well go with the offensive guy. You might as well try to space the court, uh, do what you can around Faku, DeMarcus Cousins' pick and rolls. If you've got Bryn Forbes, Bones Highland, and Zeke Naji spacing the court around those actions, then I think you're playing pretty well. I don't know if the opposing team doesn't respect Davon Reed's jumper as much, but he didn't get an opportunity to shoot tonight. And I think that there was just something, there's something weird going on with that unit once again. Um, but Cousins is probably the hub that we probably have to talk about. I don't think it was Faku. I think that Faku was fine. There was a bad turnover that he had underneath the basket when he tried to cut under a, and for like spacing for a Jeff Green layup. He had a bad turnover there, but other than that, like he, Faku was fine. He was fine. Uh, Cousins, though, in 14 minutes, had four points on five shots, was one of five from the field, two of two from the line, missed his three threes, and all of them badly. He had seven rebounds in 14 minutes, three offensive, two steals, which were pretty good, but he had six turnovers. He He was throwing the ball everywhere. He was not making the proper reads. He was getting called for screening fouls. He was, I think there was an offensive foul in there at some point. Like, he was just out of sorts. And I'm surprised that Denver didn't lose those minutes by more than they did. I think it was saved by the offensive rebounding. I think between Cousins' three, Zeke Naji's four offensive rebounds, and then Zeke Naji going two of two from the three-point line. I really do think that that saved Denver. Because let's face it, like the starters are allowed to have 11 turnovers, which is what they had. That's a fair number for when you're playing 30 plus minutes. Like it's it's not ideal, but ele- like 11 is still reasonable. The bench had 12 in way fewer minutes. They they were not good at handling the basketball, making sure to make those right decisions. And that's not great. Like 12 turnovers in probably about 16 combined minutes of time on the court together is just not good. And I do think that there's going to be some growing pains when you've got new guys in there, where you've got cousins trying to figure things out as the hub of everything. You've got Bryn Forbes trying to do things too. Um, but I don't know if Denver's got enough time to spare. Like, they were able to get away with it against Detroit tonight. But this is Detroit. These are the Pistons. 
the Pistons have won 11 games and the Nuggets won by a combined 11 points in these last two. Brooklyn's not exactly going, like, Brooklyn is not that much better. They do have James Harden for tomorrow night, who just played tonight, so they're going to be coming off of a second night of a back-to-back too. But Denver, I don't know if they're going to be able, if they put up the same effort with this bench unit, if they have the same amount of success, then the minus might be closer to a, instead of a minus seven for the non-Jokic minutes, actually it was a minus nine. Um, instead of a minus nine for the non-Jokic minutes, it might be a minus 15 or a minus 20. And if that's the case, then you're going to need heroics from Jokic once again. And I just don't think that you want to continue asking him to do that on the front end of a back-to-back and the second half of a back-to-back. Like, that's not fantastic. I think the Faku in this situation, he makes more sense with Cousins than he does with Jermichael Green, than he does with Jeff Green rolling. I think that Cousins, because he's a big target, he gives Faku a window that he can pass to pretty consistently. But it's going to be on Cousins to be able to finish these plays. He has not been consistent as a three-point shooter uh, at all this year. Like against Mil- or With Milwaukee, when he was there for his 10-day, his multiple 10 days. He was shooting, I think, 22% from three. I think that number's gone down since he's arrived in Denver, and that's not a great sign. The six turnovers is really bad, and he had some turnover issues in the previous game as well. So I wonder if it's more of a product of Detroit. Like, Detroit's not a bad defense, especially their bench. Like, Killian Hayes is a good defender. Frank Jackson is a good defender. Rodney Magruder is a good defender. Trey Lyles, not a good defender, but if you give help, and that's what they were doing, then you're going to frustrate Cousins. So I wonder if teams continue to try to frustrate him, and Denver gets to a situation where they might need to try something else at various points, because if this is how it looks against Detroit, I'm a little bit concerned about how it's going to look against I don't know, Milwaukee in a few way, in a few days, even New Orleans. Like New Orleans could do some really big damage against Boogie in the pick and roll. And they barely have anybody. There's a lot of matchups that I'm concerned over, and I do think that Denver, they're going to have to be honest with themselves about these additions because Bryn Forbes while he made sense in theory as the best shooter that Denver could get, he did not make sense positionally because he plays the same position that Bones Highland plays. And that's why Bones only playing six minutes tonight. I'm a little concerned because I thought he played well. I even thought he rotated well defensively in his six minutes, kind of helping out Faku on, on one occasion or actually multiple occasions. And that is a little bit concerning that even without Barton, even without Jamichael Green, we're still in a situation where Davon Reed is struggling to get minutes. Bones Highland is struggling to get minutes. Kind of the foundational pieces for Denver are Faku, Bryn, Zeke Naji, and Cousins off the bench. Those four have to play better as a group if they're going to make that work. They're going to have to shoot well. Zeke's got that down. 
He plays pretty well. Uh, He's also got the offensive rebounding right now, which is a really great sign for him going forward. I am still a little bit concerned for sure. But we're going to have to see. We're going to have to see if this is an aberration or if in all likelihood it is just another case of Denver's bench being bad and the Nuggets kind of have to survive just a different group being bad this time. We're going to have to see. Let's take a final break. When we come back, we're going to check in around the NBA, see what everybody else is doing. We'll be right back. segment pickaxe and roll thank you so much for tuning in real quickly i want to i want to check in around the nba uh just think about some of what these other teams are doing either tonight or or just overall and and kind of where the league sort of stands right now um tonight we had a lot of interesting matchups uh the lakers get back anthony davis they start uh russell westbrook avery bradley LeBron James, Stanley Johnson, and Anthony Davis. Um, the Lakers win that game by 10 against a team in Brooklyn that Denver is both playing tomorrow, uh, but they also played James Harden 38 minutes. Uh, he shot the ball 24 times and was pretty good in this one. He wasn't wasn't very good in the last one. But here's a list of names that the Nuggets are probably going to face tomorrow. Patty Mills, James Harden. DeAndre Bembry, Kessler Edwards, Dayron Sharp, James Johnson, Nick Claxton, Bruce Brown, LaMarcus Aldridge, Javon Carter, Cam Thomas. Uh, there is a that's a who's who for the end of the Brooklyn Nets bench as Kevin Durant is out with a an injury for uh, a significant period of time. Kyrie Irving is barricaded from the Brooklyn Nets arena. Uh, and Paul Millsap, who is not really with that team anymore, he wants a, a larger role than what he is currently getting with the Nets. And I, I'm just going to be honest about this one. Nuggets fans are not going to like it, but I don't really think it's deserved. I don't think that Paul has played that well uh, when he's been given the opportunity. And you could see some stuff with him falling off over the course of the last couple of years in Denver, it really was a precipitous drop. And I think that that's going to be something interesting that the Brooklyn Nets are going to have to face. They don't have a good option to guard Joel Embiid or Giannis Antetokounmpo. Like they don't have the physical guys to match up with those two behemoths. And we're going to get a preview of it tomorrow where Denver plays, obviously, with Jokic. That's going to be really interesting. Uh, On the other side, the Lakers, they get back Anthony Davis, and he goes eight points in 25 minutes. It it is what it is. Had four blocks in this game, which which that's – you want to see him getting back to center tendencies for sure. But I'm very curious to see if the Lakers can go on a run. This was the Lakers' 16th game this season with all three of LeBron – Russell Westbrook, and Anthony Davis on the court. Just 16. They're 24-24, and four games back of Denver. 
Uh, the Nuggets won their first matchup with them, and but I still think that the Lakers they they're obviously going to keep shopping at the trade deadline. They're going to try to make some moves on the margins if they can't move Russell Westbrook. But I do think the Lakers are going to be in a situation where they're going to be doing a lot, but it's going to be mostly this group that they have that is going to be going with them. Um, Trevor Ariza, Dwight Howard, DeAndre Jordan, Wayne Ellington, all of them get DMP CDs uh, from what I understand by the box score. Maybe I'm Maybe I'm misreading that or somebody else has some injury information. But they play a bench of Austin Reeves, Malik Monk, Taylor Horton Tucker, Kent Bazemore for two minutes, and Carmelo Anthony. Like, that's crazy. That is crazy to me. They really did stagger LeBron and AD and played those guys at the five. So they're like, this is a vulnerable Lakers team from a size perspective. If the Nuggets were able to have, like, let's say, let's say the Nuggets wanted to put LeBron on Stanley Johnson, they probably could do that. They probably could put Jeff Green on Anthony Davis and Aaron Gordon on LeBron and be fine. Um, I don't know if the Lakers are going to let Denver do that for the entire time, but there's just, I'm still very concerned about them from a, a cohesiveness standpoint, and I don't think anything that they do at the trade deadline is really going to solve that. But you never know; like, it, like there, there's stuff that they could do, I guess. Um, the Clippers were at one point down 35 points tonight to the Washington Wizards, and they come back. Luke Kennard hits uh, two threes plus a foul, of uh, plus an and one, in like the last 10 seconds of the game. Against the against the Wizards and the Clippers win that game. They they are now twenty four and twenty five. So they're still sticking around. Uh, the fighting L.A. Clippers without Paul George, without Kawhi Leonard. It does feel like a matter of time that the Clippers are probably going to fall off. But you keep saying that, and they keep having these massive comebacks. They had one against Denver, obviously. They had one against the Sixers, and they had one against the Wizards tonight. Um. Bradley Beal was visibly pissed, apparently, in his uh, in his postgame presser. Said that he didn't feel like he wanted to come back into the game, given that they had extended a 35-point lead and that it clearly threw him out of whack. Um, but yeah, when you, when you give up a 35-point lead, everybody shares the blame. I think the Wizards should deal Bradley Beal. They should trade him. They should start over and just try to build around the young players that they've accumulated and maybe even keep Kyle Kuzma. Like he's been very good. He, he's somebody that could be very useful for them for the long term. But they have all these guys and I talked about it uh pr- and during the preview of the season for them. That Kyle Kuzma, Rui Hachimura, uh Corey Kispert, Denny Avdia and Davis Bertans like that's five guys that I think you can say, yeah, they're probably best at the three or the four, and they're they're shooters or complementary forwards or something, some variant of that. That's a lot of guys that are around that size. And you've got Bradley Beal, but you don't have anything else at guard. Like Spencer Dinwiddie has just not been good for them. And Daniel Gafford and Montres Harrell and Thomas Bryant are not a good enough center rotation either. Like they don't have enough to put around Bradley Beal, in my opinion. 
to really justify holding on to him as they've been awful over the course of the last six weeks or so. So I hope that they come to their senses. I hope that they move Beal. Um, maybe it's a Simmons for Beal move, in which case you can add another athletic six foot eight forward to that Wizards group. That would be funny. Um, what else is going on? We've got two games that are still in progress as I record this. Um, I'll save those, but Philly, they play against New Orleans, and it really has been like Embiid has been the second best player in the NBA over the course of the last six weeks or so. Like he's been fantastic. He goes for 42 points on 12 of 24 shooting and 18 of 20 from the free throw line. That is a lot of shots. That is just a lot, a lot of shots. Um, But he did it, and he was a plus six in a game that they won by 10. And they had some good moments with their bench, which is more than the Nuggets can usually say. Um, But Embiid is rightfully getting MVP buzz because his team is now 28 and 19. He's been dominant as a scorer. He has the impression of being a dominant defensive player, despite the fact that he gave up 29 points tonight to Willie Heron Gomez. Uh, that's not great. But it is what it is. Like Denver, they've just got to continue competing. And if you really want to get into the Jokic versus Embiid MVP debate once again, like it is splitting hairs at this point. I think that Jokic has to carry more of a burden because I think that. Tyrese Maxey is a really, really great guard. And Tobias Harris, for all of the warts that he's had apparently this year, he just put up 33 points on 13 of 19. 33-11, 2-1-2. It's a pretty good line. That's not bad. Not sure if any Nugget has, like, I think Aaron Gordon's done that once. So those guys are pretty comparable. Like Tobias Harris and Aaron Gordon, pretty comparable. Will Barton and Tyrese Maxey, pretty comparable. I don't think it's crazy to say that Denver and 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 uh, Philly have comparable supporting casts right now. Of course, Denver's going to get back Murray and Porter, and Philly will probably still be without Simmons. I hope that they trade him. I really, really do. It would be so much better for the rest of the NBA. Um, but either way, there's there's a couple games going on right now. Dallas is currently down double digits to Golden State at halftime. Minnesota is currently down to Portland by eight points. Minnesota is a sneaky good team, as Nuggets fans know. And the more often that they lose, the better things are going to get for Denver from a seeding perspective. So you're definitely rooting for Golden State against Dallas, and you're definitely rooting for Portland against Minnesota. We'll see how how those results go. You'll probably know by the time this podcast is posted. But either way, there's a lot of stuff going on around the NBA right now. From a trade perspective, from a movement around the standings perspective, and just some weird stuff that I think could uh, benefit Denver That as they continue to chug along this road trip. You want them to continue to rack up the wins as much as they can. Like tomorrow going against Brooklyn, who's also on the second night of a back-to-back and will be without two of their top three players. Like you want Jokic to outperform Harden and you want the rest of the Nuggets to outperform the rest of the Nets. And if you can get that win, start out the road trip 2-0, and you feel pretty good about the rest of the result as long as you get one of the next four. Like 
Three and three is fine. That's a fine record. Hopefully they can do better than that, of course. And I think that they can. I think that there's a lot of teams in this mix, other than maybe Milwaukee, that are really dealing with some stressors right now. Really dealing with some tough stuff. So hopefully Denver continues to do what they need to do in these matchups. Hopefully Jokic continues to be the MVP. Hopefully Monte Morris gets out of a shooting slump. That would be good. And I want to see what Denver's rotation looks like healthy. I think that that's a and healthy is a is a construct at this point because it's without Murray and Porter still. But I still think that Denver can have a good bench lineup. There's a good bench lineup somewhere in there. They just have to try it. They just have to find it. We'll see if they end up getting to it. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I will be back tomorrow as the Nuggets face the Brooklyn Nets. We'll be recapping that game, seeing how Denver does. And then on Thursday, I'm going to be doing a Twitter Spaces. Uh, Thursday evening, we'll call it. I'll also be doing a podcast that night, too, uh, so don't you worry. But I'm going to be doing a Twitter Spaces on Thursday night. Thursday evening. That is going to be entirely trade, rotation, and uh, Nuggets related. Like I think that there's going to be a lot of stuff that we can talk about. Nuggets fans, you can float your rumors to me. You can uh, We can talk about some of this Nuggets stuff, and that'll be a good opportunity to discuss live what is going on. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into this episode. Talk to you guys tomorrow.